Thank you for joining us for our weekly Calvary Church podcast. Please take a moment and visit InvernessCalvary.com to get connected with us. We want to know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you may do so online. Now prepare your heart for a word that we pray will bless your life. Has anybody ever experienced this? You wake up early in the morning and you get out of bed and things are dark and you're, you're probably headed to the restroom and then all of a sudden your foot greets something that you did not know was there. I mean, and immediately you go into worship, you are like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You know, I know that's what you say, right? Because a praise is what's in you, right? Uh-huh, yeah. You see, I, I want you to understand something today as we get started here. If you, if you can't see, sometimes it's painful. It's painful when you can't see. And the scripture actually bears this out. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. What's it saying? It says there is pain associated with not knowing what God is saying and not knowing how God is leading. The good news is, though, is God wants us to see. God wants us to hear. In the New King James Version, the same verse uh, says this, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. This, is a, this word for vision and revelation means a picture that is revealed by God, an overarching sense of direction, like you know where you're going. And people who don't know where God is leading and what he is saying, it says they cast off restraint. The picture is a, a, a beautiful, strong horse without a bridle or a bit. It just runs wherever. It's powerful, but it's not aimed at any one thing. And unfortunately, uh, as believers, many believers live this way, just kind of saying, oh, I, I think I want to do that. I, I, think I, I think I'll do this now. And they leave that behind and leave people wondering, Did, didn't God tell you to do that? Well, uh, yeah, maybe he's telling me something different now. You know what that is? That's a person without vision. Because vision releases longevity. It allows us to stay the course. To say this is what God has said and we're going to pursue it. Now, our mission here that many of us walk by every single day uh, whenever we come into this building says this. Together, extravagantly loving Jesus. And together, selflessly loving people. We believe that this mission uh, accurately captures the culture of Calvary. 
that this is what you will experience when you walk in the door. We talked a lot about how uh, our staff actually went to the mountains in North Carolina, and we spent some time actually wrestling with God. We had a perfectly great mission statement, and then we, we went up there, and we were praying, and we knew God was changing some things. And, 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 and this statement was, was actually crafted very specifically, and the words um, that were included were, were put there on purpose. And the two powerful words that you would see in our mission statement are extravagant and selfless. We believe that when anyone walks in here for the very first time, actually having read that mission statement, they understand our worship if they've read the sign. They understand that, man, they really extravagantly love Jesus. It's hands lifted. It's, it's dedicating a, a, a portion of this time where we say, God, you are our focus. I actually say this unapologetically, that God, via the Holy Spirit, is our highest and most cherished guest in this place. We love you. We're so glad you're here. But, you know, we could gather like this around uh, another purpose and we would just have a club. You know the difference between a club and a church? God. God's presence. God's presence is what separates us from any other people. And so our response to his presence is, is Lord, we want to extravagantly love you. And we talked about that. If you weren't here last week, you can go online, amenerscalvary.com, and listen to that message. Or you can subscribe to our podcast as well. You see, that mission statement, that culture is based from on Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 40, which says this, then one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him, saying, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus said, these are the most Two important things that you must grasp. Everything in the kingdom is based upon these two commandments. And we believe those two commandments actually form our culture here at Calvary. But today we're going to talk about selflessly loving people. Selflessly loving people. Now, I just want to let you in on my own uh, personal journey I knew that I wanted to take some time and share with Calvary about our mission and our vision. Our vision, most of you wear it around on the back of your t-shirts. And we, we see it and, and we always get comments on that t-shirt to see people saved and healed, empowered and launched into their calling. We're like, wow, that's awesome. People go, wow, that's really awesome. Well, that, that The vision never takes place unless there is a culture that it can take place inside of. And we believe that, that the culture of God's kingdom is found in this greatest commandment. So today we're going to talk about selflessly loving others. As I was praying, I thought there's many different passages that where you could actually uh, go and you could you could 
I don't know, find all kinds of examples of selfless love within the scriptures. But I was kind of shocked when the Holy Spirit led me to Acts chapter 3. And if you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 3. And the Lord said, I want to talk to you today about what selfless love will look like at Calvary. I want to talk to you about what selfless love is going to look like at Calvary. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, says this. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on them with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I love this passage of Scripture, but honestly, I was a little shocked that God pointed toward this one to say, I want to teach you something about selfless love from Acts chapter 3. And I believe that the Lord is going to speak something to us and just kind of shift our paradigm today in the way that we think about selfless love toward people. What does it look like here at Calvary, and what should it look like in our own lives? The first thing I want to say today is this. Selfless love praise. Selfless love praise. Verse 1 says, Now Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. There, I, I cannot express to you uh, strong enough how much prayer is a value here at Calvary. We gather week after week on Thursday night. Some of you, I would like to see you there for the first time. <laughs> to pray. I want to tell you, if you have ever, if you had been here Thursday night with us, you wouldn't miss another prayer meeting. It was glorious. <laughs> the presence of God comes when we pray. Prayer is actually the invitation of heaven to meet with God. Prayer is the invitation of heaven to say, come into my presence. And as a son or a daughter of God who one day will spend eternity in heaven, it's where we get to taste heaven here on earth. Prayer is an amazing place, but selfless love starts in the place of prayer. Dean Neferatus, an, an evangelist who's spoken into this body many times, says this, prayer is the work of the church and the reward is ministry. Prayer is the work of the church and the reward is ministry. We sometimes flip that. 
We would say the reward of the church is prayer and the work of the church is ministry. Not if you get it in the proper order. We will work in prayer, which, by the way, is glorious. We will partner with God in prayer. Can you imagine that prayer is actually Jesus saying, come pray with me? Not to me, with me. Because Jesus right now is forever making intercession for you and I. He is praying for us that we will walk in the perfect will of the Father. Can you imagine that we, as his sons and daughters, get an invitation to say, come pray with me. Selfless love begins in the place of prayer. We do the work of prayer and the reward is ministry. The overflow is ministry. I'll show it to you from the scriptures. Romans chapter five, verse five says this. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This is the apostle Paul telling the Roman church how we receive the love of God, that it is by the Holy Spirit. Well, when did that happen first in the church? It happened in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured into hearts for the first time. And when did it happen? It happened in a prayer meeting. Acts 2, 1 says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat on, uh, uh, upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What I want to let you know is that Acts chapter 2 happened in the middle of a prayer meeting. And not just, uh, not just you know, the one hour prayer meeting. Not even the one-day prayer meeting. Not even the three-day prayer meeting. This was day 10. And they were continuing in prayer. And what happened? The Holy Spirit was poured out. And they received power. But the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 5 that the love of God was poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So that leads us to this conclusion. Both the passion and the power for selfless love are found in the place of prayer. Both the passion and the power for selfless love are found in the place of prayer. Didn't you notice that that Peter and John were on their way to pray? And, you know, more than likely were anticipating all of the things that they were going to experience in the prayer meeting. They probably had all the reason in the world to just walk by this man. They had an appointment with heaven. But see, prayer doesn't only give you power. It gives you the love necessary to be selfless. I'll say it one last time. Both the passion and the power for selfless love are found in the place of prayer. And when our Thursday night prayer meeting grows, 
so will our love. When our Thursday night corporate prayer meeting grows, so will the power of God that flows on Sunday mornings. Consider that your invitation to join us week after week as we pray with Jesus. Selfless love prays. Secondly, selfless love prepares. I love this. Verse 2 says, And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was, womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. Note that. To ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. I want to make this statement, and I don't believe it to be pre presumptuous. Many times, both the disciples and even Jesus must have walked by this lame man. They went to prayer all the time in the temple, and this lame man had been laid there daily. Then it begs to answer this question, then why that day? Why that day? The answer is actually found in the name of the gate. Beautiful. As I was researching this, uh, I found out that this, this title, beautiful, it's not just what we think it to mean in English. It comes uh, from this word orarios, and it basically means this, beautiful in timing. In Spanish, the root word would be hora, meaning hour. There is a time signature on this gate called beautiful. It, it, it's this picture that a flower is beautiful in winter in one way, but in spring, in full bloom, it is completely beautiful because it's beautiful in timing. It's beautiful in timing. And he was laid at the right now gate. This unfolding, beautiful, God-timed moment. He was laid there and this was his time. And what I love about the, 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 the disciples is that when it was his time, they were prepared. They were prepared. 2 Timothy 4.1, the admonition of Paul to his son Timothy says, I charge you therefore uh, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Why in the world do you need to be ready out of season? Because you serve a God that can instantly change the season. He instantly changes seasons. Matter of fact, in John chapter 4, he's talking to his disciples after ministering to this woman at the well and says these words. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? He said, behold, look at it. I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. 
What is he saying? He's saying, you think it's still coming. But when you live prepared, it's here. When you live full of selfless love, you are prepared for God to change the season and put you before people who need an in-breaking, powerful kingdom. Selfless love prepares. There's a story about an amazing missionary, a couple, Roland and Heidi Baker, who had been on the mission field for years, seeing very little fruit. They were ready to quit. They, they came into a place of God's presence and received a dramatic touch from God and began to see God in a different light, see him as more powerful than they ever had before. After that dramatic touch from God on their life, they planted over 5,000 churches in Mozambique. Today, that number is still exploding. Listen to what Heidi Baker has to say about the prepared. God is not about using the mighty, but the willing. He is not into using amazing people, just ones who prepared to lay their lives down to him. God is not looking for the extraordinary or exceptionally gifted people, just laid down lovers of Jesus who will carry his glory with transparency and not take it for themselves. God isn't looking for the mighty but the willing. Not the amazing, just the prepared. You and I need to be ready for holy interruptions. Have you ever had one of those moments where you just, you didn't see Jesus coming? Just didn't see it. And he surprised you. Perhaps it was a knock on the door or an unexpected phone call. Perhaps it was somebody else going through tragedy and, and, and they called upon you in that moment. I want to say this, selfless love is prepared for holy interruptions. And I believe a prepared people are the ones who will be sent into those moments with the healing of heaven. To be a voice of life and a voice of hope and a voice of truth in the midst of discouragement. That is why selfless love prepares for God to change a season in an instant. Even when we say our plans are good, like Peter and John, I'm going to pray. And yet, they find a man that selfless love had prepared them for. We've got to be ready for holy interruptions in our day, at our work, as we're shopping in our schools. We need to be prepared. Selfless love prepares, but I would say this. Not only is selfless love prepared, but selfless love proclaims. Selfless love opens the mouth. Verse 3 says this. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. 
and fixing his eyes on them, with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. I just want to walk you through this scene, and I'm going to say some things that are going to cause you to think. So you have to listen all the way through. I want to make some statements from the very beginning. Broken people always think the problem is the problem. Broken people always think the problem is the problem. And here's what I mean. I mean, after all, this man who's been laid at the gate, he is poor. And he thinks his problem is that he is poor and doesn't have money. And that yet the selfless love from Peter and John said, that's not your problem. But broken people always think the problem is the problem. I mean, we look at our checkbook and we're like, man, I either need God to move or I need more money. That actually is a, a voice that has a name. It's called Mammon. And it's looking for servants. No, the only thing you need is God to do something. That's all that you need. Broken people always think the problem is the problem. They're asking for alms. But many times we have problems because of our issues. He was poor because he was born lame. And this lame man is sitting outside of the temple. The place where they host the presence of God. The one who can heal the lame. He promised as much healing in the Old Testament as he does in the New Testament. He's the same. But here, here, here we find this lame man who's actually by law not allowed to go into certain parts of the temple. Laid there at the gate. And it seems as if healing to his issue is out of reach. Until a couple of believers walking in selfless love show up. Peter knew what he possessed and he boldly declared it. He boldly said, silver and gold I do not have. He says to this man, I have not come here today to fix your problem. But as a representative of heaven, I have come to bring healing to your issue, which caused your problem. That messes with people. That really messes with people because... He must have thought, I'm going to start walking. <laughs> now I'm going to have to start working. <laughs> I don't want to offend everybody in the room, but sometimes we choose to remain disabled rather than get healed because there's a check coming. I'm not against disability, don't hear me. I'm just pro-healing. 
that's good. That's a new political term. I'm pro-healing. And if you get healed, you'll be glad to work. <laughs> Don't measure that. And see, listen, Peter boldly said, I'm not here today to solve your problems, but I am here to heal your issue. And God is trying to raise up a people who will boldly proclaim who Jesus is. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was a healer then, he is a healer now. And not only that, here, this isn't Jesus doing the miracle. It's his disciples walking in what he said they would walk in. In John chapter 14, he says, the works I do, the same they will do, and greater works. Selfless love proclaims what you possess. And the culture is trying to silence the church. And God is saying it is time that people so selflessly love that they speak up about what they are carrying. The world needs the light of Christ that you are carrying. And we don't silently win them. We win them by boldly proclaiming, God wants to heal you at the core. Well, some would say, well, I'm just really kind of into practical ministry. Or others would say, you know, I, I, I just really enjoy, you know, the, the spiritual side of ministry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a statement that's hopefully able to fix you both. Spiritual ministry is practical, and practical ministry is spiritual. Spiritual ministry is practical. It's practical, but practical because this lame man could now walk and produce and could leap and could testify. This man was whole. That is very practical. There are all kinds of practical uh, uh, implications from that spiritual ministry that he received. But you also need to understand that Practical ministry is spiritual. Jesus said, if you give someone a cup of cold water in my name, you've given it to me. To me. That sounds spiritual. And, 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 and we, don't, we need to stop saying in the church, well, I'm kind of on that side or I'm kind of on this side. No, no, no. Selfless love says I'm both. I minister to, to people spiritually because it's practical, and I practically minister to people because it's spiritual. One without the other is an incomplete picture of God's provision. I'll say it to you this way. Feeding widows in, in, in the book of Acts actually led to a dynamic supernatural ministry through Stephen and Philip. Remember the, the story? The apostles were being carried away from praying and and giving themselves to the word. And, and so they realized that they needed to appoint seven men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom that could take care of feeding the widows. But from that food pantry comes Stephen and Philip. Stephen being one that was so wise, people could not withstand his words. The only answer for them was to hit him with rocks until he died. That's the only way they could come against what he was saying because he was convincing many. 
operating in power. Matter of fact, so powerful, Stephen being the first martyr, it says that the heavens opened up him and Jesus was standing. It's a powerful ministry. Where did that start? Feeding widows. Another who was selected for that same, that, that same assignment was Philip. Philip, the one who by a supernatural word of knowledge is told to go and out in the desert, then told to chase down a chariot. And then he goes and chases it down, and the person on the chariot is reading from the book of Isaiah. And he's, as he's running, he says, hey, do you, you know, would you like me to explain that to you? And he says, yes, Philip, after, after this whole supernatural encounter and explaining the scriptures about Jesus, this Ethiopian governmental leader says, here is water, I want to give my life to Christ now. He goes down into the water, baptizes the Ethiopian, and when the Ethiopian comes up out of the water, Philip disappears. And appears in another city. I can only imagine if I was the, the Ethiopian. I come up out of the water. I just want to say thank you. I look around. He's gone. I feel around in the water. He's not drowned. So I just leave. Not only do I think about what the Ethiopian must have been feeling like. I must have. You know, the people in that other city. They must have asked Philip, why are you wet? <laughs> why are you wet? Unless the Lord, I mean, it was a long way, and he just kind of used the air as a blow dryer, you know? <laughs> that supernatural ministry came out of practical ministry. That's why I say this. Our food pantry is supernatural. It's supernatural that when people come to get their physical needs met, they are also they also get prayed for. I've heard many times, oh yeah, we prayed for that and God answered that prayer. God healed that body. God helped that situation. Our food pantry is supernatural. And if you're not serving there, you should get involved. Shameless plug. <laughs> Selfless love proclaims. It proclaims Jesus in the practical and in power. Selfless love proclaims Jesus in the practical and in power. We have to open our mouths. We have to love people enough to proclaim the gospel and the full gospel. I just take Jesus' instructions to the to the disciples quite literally. He said, heal the sick, then preach the gospel. If you haven't tried it in that order, try it. Say, ooh, I thought I was just going to convince somebody. No, Christianity is not a philosophy. It's a kingdom that's expanding. He is king. And you do need to proclaim the gospel. Demonstrate it first. That could be practical or that could be very powerful. But just do both. Do both. Proclaim what you possess. 
Selfless love, lastly, partners. We see in verse 6, it says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. I'm going to say this statement to you, and I want you to just, just ponder it. Selflessly loving people is a partnership between our hands and God's strength. Selflessly loving people is a partnership between our hands and God's strength. Um, as, as many of you are aware of, uh, from uh, 2000 uh, into 2016, I was the youth pastor here, and we like to go um, uh, to different events. And, of course, we've been kind of preaching and teaching our young people along these lines for a long time. And so uh, young people respond differently than adults. Adults say, uh, let me think about that. Teenagers look at you salivating and say, let me do that. Which I love about them, which is why Jesus said, we all need to become like little children. And so I was at this, this, this large winter gathering. And I knew some of the leaders there. Uh, it was called Winter Ramp. We were in Dalton, Georgia. And of course, we've been teaching our kids this. So um, they actually see wheelchairs as permission. But you know that there is a way that you kind of have to approach those situations. you got to be careful and mindful. Uh, you know, teenagers don't care. So we're ending this glorious meeting, and we're starting to walk out, and then my leaders say, uh, two of your kids have disappeared. I'm like, what do you mean they disappeared? Well, we don't know where they are. We're walking out, and we see two of our students, a young man and a young woman, praying over a woman, a young woman in a wheelchair. And my first reaction as a faith-filled youth pastor is, oh no, what am I going to have to fix? About three steps into this moment, God says, he says, no, I'm, I'm doing something. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I, I start walking over, and I see this, and they are really praying loud in the spirit, in tongues over this girl. I don't even know if the people know what that is at this point. And they're praying over this girl, and I just kind of, just kind of was sitting there. And the Lord gave me a picture, and actually a sound. Um, I saw her uh, sitting there in her chair, and that she would hear, I heard like this loud pop. And that pop uh, uh, was a sig significant thing, because I, I, the Lord told me that when she hears it, she'll know that it's time to get up out of the wheelchair. And I said, oh, that's awesome. And uh, I said, okay, um, I, I think I heard the Lord here, and he said this. Um, when you hear a loud pop on the inside of you, you'll know that it's time to get up out of the wheelchair. And she said, looking back at me, she goes, well, that's strange. I heard that 40 minutes ago in the service. 
And so I just said, do you want to get up? And he grabbed her hands and lifted her with, with strength. Like it took some lifting. And I'm walking with two hands and other people holding her under her arms and legs not working at all. And then the people behind her let go. And I'm walking with two hands and the Lord says, let her go. And I start walking beside her and then I let her go and she just put her hand here and she begins to walk all around this place. At this time, grandma and grandpa begin to weep uncontrollably. And I'm asking a very practical question. Is this normal? I don't know. I don't know who this person is. I'm like, is this normal? Can she do this normally? Well, it turns out she couldn't. And eventually she would let go of my arm and just walk all around that arena in Dalton, Georgia. Her name, Olivia. I would go back to visit uh, that ministry uh, some six months later, walked in the door at a leadership completely different, honestly wasn't even thinking about it. And people from her church happened to be there and said, hey, we want to tell you a story. You're Pastor Otis. I'm like, how in the world do you even know who I am? Uh, you know, um, and they said, well, you prayed, or your kids prayed over this girl from our youth ministry. Well, this last Sunday, she walked up on stage, six months later, walked up on stage and testified how God has done this progressive healing and healed her body so that she could walk. Guys, I, I, all I can say is I didn't start that moment with some great faith because you know why? I felt the weight of her helplessness in my hands as I lifted her. But somewhere between that moment and just five or six minutes later, the strength of God came into her and she was healed. And it progressed and progressed and progressed. I'll never forget as she's walking and I'm walking with her and we see her, her wheelchair that is now 35, 40 feet away. The Lord t says, tell her that's how it's going to remain. Empty. And I said, that's, the Lord says, hey, your wheelchair is going to remain empty. <laughs> Guys. Selfless love lifts, lifts with all of our strength. Selfless love reaches out to those who cannot help. And with everything within us, we reach out and we say, come on, come on. Let me put it to you this way. Selfless love for people reaches as far as our arms can reach and expects heaven to show up when we do. You see, selflessly loving people is a partnership between our hands and God's strength. I want to finish with this verse. John chapter 15, verse 26. Jesus, when speaking of the Holy Spirit, says this, and when the advocate comes, 
whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. In this verse, this says this. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to testify about Jesus. You see, selfless love partners with God. Can I ask you this question? How are you allowing the Holy Spirit to testify of Jesus? Are you allowing Him to testify of Jesus through the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. Are you allowing Him to testify of Jesus through the gifts of the Spirit? Healing. Miracles, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, special gift of faith. The Holy Spirit wants to testify of Jesus and selfless love for people partners with God. If you've been frustrated at how few people you've won through arguing, then let the Holy Spirit become your partner in evangelism so that you can selflessly love people as a partner with God. When we reach in selfless love, we expect the power and the strength of God to come. I hope you've enjoyed this message from Calvary Church. For more information on this message or to listen to other teachings, visit us at InvernessCalvary.com. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more through our website or by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for listening and God bless.